This is the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's Editor-in-Chief, David Wildstein. Hello, everybody. Thanks for listening. Happy President's Day weekend. Moments ago, former President Donald Trump was acquitted by the U.S. Senate for the the second time. The vote was 57 to 43, uh, fell short. Seven Republicans uh, voted uh, against their party with the Democrats to to convict uh, Republicans like Mitt Romney and and Pat Toomey and Richard Burr of of North Carolina. Trump is now legally entitled to run again in 2024. He he issued a statement earlier calling it the greatest witch hunt ever. Uh, Politico said that this vote, 5743, was the first time since 1868 when Andrew Johnson was president that a majority of the Senate, the majority of the United States Senate, voted to convict a president of the United States on impeachment charges, but it, it was still uh, fell short of, of the two-thirds vote. Uh, Congressman Tom Malinowski uh, in, in a tweet said it wasn't enough, but that the, and I'm going to read exactly what he said, but still the most powerful and bipartisan repudiation of a president in, by the Senate in our history. Uh, and he said that this must be the beginning uh not the end of, of he said this needs to be the end i'm sorry very important that i got this wrong here uh he said he said this must not be the beginning but the end of the violent extremism uh, that trump unleashed and that remains the duty to all of us so so here we are 24 days into the biden presidency uh country is is still dealing with a lot and, and local politics goes on as usual we're 115 days away from the new jersey primary uh, the general election when New Jersey elected governor and 40 state senators and 80 members of the state assembly is 262 days from today. So time moves quickly and, and yet some things just appear to stay the same. Uh, there is an ongoing scandal in New Jersey at the state's only prison for women where inmates have been beaten and sexually assaulted Three prison guards have been charged. The Justice Department has stepped in, but the state so far has ignored them. They have not yet entered into a consent order. The Commissioner of Corrections, Marcus Hicks, has been asked to resign. He's been asked by every Democrat in the New Jersey Senate and by every Republican woman in the legislature. But Hicks has not resigned, and Governor Phil Murphy has not fired him. So joining me at 420 to talk about this prison scandal is Republican Assemblywoman Jean Stanfield. She is a former sheriff and a former prosecutor, and she is the prime sponsor of a bipartisan resolution to impeach the Commissioner of Corrections, a member of the governor's cabinet. Uh, This is a serious issue. You will not want to miss what Assemblywoman Stanfield has to say. And coming up at 435 is State Senator Joe Cryan, a Union County Democrat with an extraordinary political history. Senator Cryan has been out and front on major issues facing the state. He's uh, he's sponsored bills to protect survivors of domestic, domestic violence. He has funded body cameras for local police departments. Uh, his bill to protect the privacy of judges after one jurist 20-year-old son was brutally murdered last summer when a, a deranged lawyer uh, found the judge's home address on the Internet and Senator Cryan was out in front uh, to fix that problem. So please keep listening because Senator 
Joe Cryan is worth hearing. This is David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And there was an important story about the media this week. Journalists from three newspapers owned by the Gannett chain, the Bergen Record, the Daily Record in Morristown, the the Sussex County-based New Jersey Herald, more than 90% of the reporters and editorial staffs of these newspapers voted to unionize. And these reporters are seeking job security. They're seeking greater diversity in the newsroom. And, And I don't blame them for taking their actions. I mean, neither do Senator Bob Menendez and Governor Phil Murphy and Congressman Bill Pascrell. All of them have called on Gannett to immediately recognize the union. And Gannett has taken some some once solid, respectable newspapers and made them into a publication that sometimes appear to just be lacking mission and focus. Uh, I'm going to quote what one of the record reporters said. In fewer than five years, Gannett has turned each into a shadow of their former selves. He's not wrong. Half the news staffers at the Gannett, New Jersey newspapers have lost their jobs since 2016. Their paid circulation of print newspapers is down over 70%. Uh, I contacted the editor of the Bergen Record, Dan Sforza, but he didn't respond. Uh, Not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. No comment from Dan Sforza. No comment from somebody who asks other people to comment every day. Uh, And if you think about it, a newspaper that calls private sector businesses all the time asking for comment on how they're operating their their companies, they they suddenly go quiet when somebody asks them about their business. And, and, And get this part. This is the part I find unreal. The Gannett newspapers refuse to report the news about their own reporters trying to unionize. Clearly. They don't want their readers to know that their reporters are unhappy. It's probably bad for business. Uh, And this part, this part amazes me too. Just today, Gannett ran a story about Amazon employees trying to unionize, but they ignore the story of their own employees trying to do exactly the same thing. It It is one set of rules for them and another set of rules for everybody else. So the New Jersey Globe has taken on responsibility for calling balls and strikes when it comes to the state media. Uh, uh, I wish they didn't make it necessary for us to have to do that. I'm sure they don't like it, but frankly, somebody has to, so so I'm, I'm stepping up for that. Uh, this is David Wildstein. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Uh, there's a state Senate race in central New Jersey that is absolutely worth watching. The four-term incumbent is a Republican named Kip Bateman. He announced this month he wouldn't seek re-election to the Senate. Democrats haven't won a Somerset County State Senate seat since 1902. But this is a huge opportunity for them to flip a seat. Joe Biden won this district by 23 points in 2020. So there are a couple things I find fascinating about this race. First of all, the possible Republican candidates for state Senate, uh, two of them are former congressmen who don't especially like each other, who actually ran against each other in a primary uh, 21 years ago. Uh, one is Dick Zimmer. He's a 76-year-old uh, Republican, first elected to the legislature in 1981. 
He was a congressman from 90 to 96. He hasn't held office in 25 years. And he was part of a group of Republicans last summer who endorsed Joe Biden over Donald Trump. And that is not sitting well among Republicans who are picking a Senate candidate. And another one of the candidates is Mike Pappas. Uh, he's 60, 16 years younger. Uh, he was elected in 1996 when Zimmer gave up his House seat to run for the Senate. And Pappas made one unfortunate decision during his two years in Congress. He went on the House floor and to the tune of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, he sang a tribute to Kenneth Starr. He was the special prosecutor investigating Bill and Hillary Clinton at the time. And that caused Pappas to lose reelection. The Democrats have a front runner for the Senate. His name is Andrew Zwicker. He's a three-term assemblyman who ended a, a Republican winning streak of about 100 years or more. Uh, Zwicker... Apparently, if you talk to some people in his own party, he has a residency problem because he lives in Middlesex County. And and to be clear, uh, he lives in his district, but just not in the Somerset County part of his district. So Zwicker's main obstacle is getting party backing uh, to run for the Senate from Peg Schaefer, the Somerset County Democratic chair. New Jersey has an unwritten, but I call it some sort of a biblical rule. It's called senatorial courtesy. And that means no gubernatorial nomination, not for judges or for cabinet members or anything else, will get a confirmation vote without sign-off from the home county senator. So Schaefer wants the senator to be from Somerset so that she can exercise courtesy, just like some of the other party bosses do. Schaefer told Zwicker that she'd back him, but he'd have to move out of his home and into her county. And Mr. Zwicker politely declined. Uh, The usual suspects that rail against party bosses on behalf of progressive independent legislators, they've gone silent. Uh, On Friday, I asked Governor Murphy about that, and he could not have avoided the question any more than he did. So I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to wait and see if the Republicans pick one of the former congressmen or if the former congressmen duke it out in the primary or if the Republicans find somebody else. And I'm going to wait and see if Peg Schaefer blinks and backs Wicker or if she forces a Democratic primary and possibly a rival organization line that could cause her two incumbent county commissioners to be unanticipated casualties of her sticking to her guns. That's happened before. So we'll all get the popcorn every because this the Senate race has the potential to be true entertainment. Uh, coming up is Republican Assemblywoman Jean Stanfield, sponsor of a resolution to impeach the New Jersey Commissioner of Corrections over a scandal at the state women's prison. You won't want to miss that. And coming up at 435 is Senator Joe Cryan. And I'm going to talk to him about his upcoming re-election campaign and about politics in New Jersey. This is David Wildstein, and you're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on 77 WABC. When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. always value books and films and good TV. But now, during a pandemic, 
I appreciate them. I need them more than ever. That's why I read Book and Film Globe. Bookandfilmglobe.com is the smartest, sharpest commentary about what's good and what's um, not good in the worlds of books, movies, and quality TV. This isn't celebrity gossip, and it's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just smart, clear writing about the best new things to watch and read. Interviews with directors, concise reviews of hot new books, actors describing classic scenes, it's all on bookandfilmglobe.com. And there are three Rotten Tomatoes certified reviewers, so you know you're getting good advice. Check out Book and Film Globe. That's bookandfilmglobe.com. The New Jersey Globe Power Hour is on. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. It's David Wildstein. Gene Stanfield was elected to the State Assembly in 2019 after 18 years as the Burlington County Sheriff. A few years before that as an assistant prosecutor, she's a candidate for the State Senate this year in one of the most closely watched uh, campaigns of 2021. Assemblywoman Stanfield, how are you? Good, thank you, David. How are you? Good. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure. Just like everybody else, you've been watching the the news uh, of the acquittal of Donald Trump. Uh, Before we talk about local issues, Mitch McConnell, just a few minutes on the Senate floor after voting to acquit the president, said there's there's no question, none, that that President Trump is practically and morally responsible for what occurred on January 6th. Uh, he said it was a disgraceful, uh, disgraceful dereliction of duty. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on impeachment before we talk about some New Jersey issues. Um, sure. I did not see uh, Mitch McConnell say that. I was not watching the news. But, um, you know, sometimes impeachment, as in New Jersey here, um, is an important tool. Um, what we're seeing here in New Jersey is that, Nothing's going to happen unless we take the track of impeachment. And it's uh, for someone who's still in office and still uh, has the capacity to harm others. A little different in Washington when someone's already out of office. So you have introduced a resolution to impeach Commissioner Marcus Hicks over allegations that that women at the Edna Mann Correctional Facility are being beaten and in some cases sexually assaulted by prison guards. Why should the commissioner be impeached? David, this has been a long, continuing practice, um, basically a culture in this um, correctional facility. This has gone on for years. And Commissioner Hicks, even before he was commissioner, when he was uh, chief of staff, he was in charge of policy development, training, inspecting the facilities. Um, he's had many, many opportunities to correct all the abuse that's been going on for years and years. Um, more recently, he was uh, given um, a report from the Justice Department finding them uh, guilty of violating the Eighth Amendment rights of uh, the women that are being abused there. Uh, that was April of last year, and yet still in January, we have um, people being charged with continuing to attack these women. So he's done nothing. And I mean, I uh, I don't think he's commented at all on on any of this. I, I can tell you, I I try his cell phone once a day. I have for the last two weeks, and he does, <laughs> he does not pick up. Uh, this is a bipartisan effort, right? I mean, you have Assemblywoman Valerie Venieri Huddle. You have uh, Assembly, you know, Democrats and Republicans on this. How how have you put together this coalition? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's so important that it is a bipartisan coalition. Uh, we reached out to every single uh, female legislator and um, asked them to jump on board with this um, because we think it is so important. Um, many people have already called out for his resignation, but as we know, it hasn't happened. And Governor Murphy has not terminated him either. So this is our, our last tactic that we can use to correct the situation. And Again, I appreciate the bipartisan support because we need to work together on these issues that mean something to all of us. And one of the things one of the things that has been discussed, I know you've talked about it. I, I know I've, I've mentioned it for the last couple of weeks, which is uh, that that Marcus Hicks, either either he knew about this and didn't do anything or he didn't know about it. And then the question is, why doesn't he know what's happening in his prisons? Is that is that a fair statement? I think that's very fair. I, I think it's absolutely impossible for him not to know about it. People were convicted and tried between 2016 and 2019. I think five corrections officers and a civilian either pled guilty or were convicted. So this is happening right under his nose. He was in charge of human resources. He would have had every document, every administrative complaint at his fingertips. Uh, he knew this was happening. There's no way he couldn't. And I'm speaking with Assemblywoman Jean Stanfield, South Jersey Republican, who's taken the lead on impeaching a, a member of Governor Murphy's cabinet. Assemblywoman, have you have you had any discussions with Speaker Coughlin? Do you think he'll allow this to go up for a vote? I'm certainly hoping he will. I've not spoken to him myself, um, but everyone has spoken out that Commissioner Hicks has to be removed. We all agree on that. And if it's not happening through the other ways it could, either through resignation or termination, this is what needs to happen. And I'm very hopeful that he will see, um, you know, the assembly has an important role in this and it's, it's our turn to act. And in, in this, in the meantime, during this process where the attorney general is, is reviewing criminal uh, potential, potentially more criminal charges while governor Murphy has, has asked for his own independent investigation uh, as to what happened there. Do you know of anything that's being done that is protecting uh, inmates at the Edna man correctional facility right now to make sure that, that beatings and sexual assaults aren't happening today and next week and the week after. That's exactly the point. That's why we have to act now. I'm not aware of anything. And the fact that this commissioner is still there sends a message loud and clear to everyone that it's going to be business as usual. And this has continued for so long. Every night when these women go to sleep in their cells, I'm sure they're listening for footsteps coming down the hall, waiting to see what's going to happen next to them. This is wrong. And, and we can't just keep kicking the can down the road. It's been years. And you're running for the state Senate this year. You're running against incumbent uh, Dawn Adiego. She was she was once your running mate before she switched switched parties. 2019. Now she's running as a Democrat. Uh, The senator criticized you this week for a fundraising email uh, that you were raising money off the issue at the women's prison. Was was that the right move for you? You know, it's a distraction, and I'm sure Dawn will have many other distractions between now and Election Day. But we really have to focus on something that is so important. People's lives are at stake right now. And going for impeachment is the absolute necessary step we can take to bring them some uh, resolution to the situation and and all the um, trauma that they've been living with for years and years. You know, it's a time for us to unite and act. And I was very disappointed that Dawn did not sign on uh, to this, you know, and I'm trying to actually wonder why. Like, 
we could have worked together. And we reached out to her, her office specifically because I was hoping that after all our years of knowing each other, we could work together on something as important as this. So, you know, I have to wonder why didn't she jump on this? Either she didn't think it was serious enough. Governor Murphy or some other Democrats told her to stand down. Or she just didn't like it because my name was on it. And we can't let that kind of pettiness drive what we do. We, people's lives are at stake. We have responsibilities. And she was one of the 25 Democratic senators who who signed the letter urging Commissioner Hicks to resign. Oh, absolutely. But we see that that did not work. So now the next step is to go for impeachment. That's all we can do. It's the only, only tool that we have left. I, I have to ask you this question because I would imagine it's going to come up at some point in, during, during this campaign. Uh, uh, you were the sheriff for 18 years. You ran the Burlington County Jail. Uh, were there any allegations of mistreating prisoners, men or women, on, on your watch? Um, actually, we had a warden. I did not run the jail. Um, but what I did do, we worked with kids that were uh, getting into trouble in the, uh, and starting to become involved in the juvenile justice system. And it's something very important that we notice and that I've learned from speaking to other women that have been incarcerated. So many of the females that are going down the wrong path are victims themselves of sexual abuse and physical abuse at home. They end up leaving home and, you know, making friends with the wrong people, trying to find someone that will love them and help them fit in. And, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking because then they end up, after making a series of bad decisions and being manipulated by people, they end up in state prison and now they're being victimized again. So um, my experience in that regard has really made me passionate about this. And I'm speaking with Assemblywoman Jean Stanfield. Let's go back to your Senate race. You're, you're in a district that hasn't gone Democratic since 1973, but the, the races are getting closer and closer. You're in your second year in the Assembly. Why did you decide to run for the Senate? Basically, David, um, we need somebody that's going to act for people and stand up and fight for people. Our state right now um, it has become so unaffordable. People are moving out in droves. I'm a grandmother and a great-grandmother. I don't want my kids to have to move away and take the grandkids and great-grandkids away from me because they can't afford to live here. Uh, and Dawn is not stepping up and, and fighting back. You know, she was a Republican. Now she's a Democrat voting right in line with Governor Murphy and the other Democrats. We need to start taking a stand and get this state back where people can afford to live here. Seniors can stay in their homes. It's, it's ridiculous. And I did not know you were a great-grandmother, which is, which is a little yes, scary to me too. since you and I are basically <laughs> the same age. So, <laughs> Assemblywoman, you've known uh, the senator for a long time. How disappointed were you when you heard that she decided to switch parties? I was so disappointed it made me want to run. Um, David, you were the first person I spoke to when I uh, first decided to throw my hat in the ring. And, um, you know, it was not my game plan. I was retiring as sheriff and I was going to be home with the kids and the grandkids and the great grands. And I had no intention of running, but I was so disturbed and it's so upset on behalf of the people that worked on her campaign, made the phone calls, knocked on doors, contributed money. And the fact that she turned midterm uh, on them. And so I did um, decide to run for the assembly at that point. And again, I still see that dearth of leadership. And that's what's making me run for the Senate this time. And you have spent you know, probably most of your your first term in the in the legislature or nearly most of your first term on, on dealing with the state's response to to uh, the coronavirus pandemic. How how are people in your district doing right now with getting vaccines? Um, 
the vaccine rollout has been a nightmare, um, particularly for seniors. You know, we asked uh, Governor Murphy, Assemblyman Peters and I asked Governor Murphy to set up a call line because so many seniors don't have the ability to use technology and stay up all night and try to refresh and, and you know, get in that vaccine line. Um, so we said, set up a call line. And now that, that's a huge mess. Uh, they can't make appointments on there. And it's just been very, very frustrating, particularly for the most vulnerable people that need the vaccine the most. Assemblywoman Jean Stanfield, thank you for joining me. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. I hope you'll come back, uh, come back soon. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. Thank you. And, and please don't go anywhere because coming up next is Senator Joe Cryan. You will want to hear everything he has to say about politics in New Jersey. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. <laughs> Old school, classic, punk, indie, 80s, 90s, whatever. If it's got passion and a backbeat, I want to hear it. And I want to know more about the artists who create it. That's why I read Rock and Roll Globe. Rockandrollglobe.com features the sharpest takes about what's good and what's um, not so good in music. They call it real writing about real music. It's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just crisp, surprising insight into music of all kinds, interviews with performers, concise reviews of hot new records, a look back at that great album that changed everything. It's all on rockandrollglobe.com. Check out Rock and Roll Globe. That's rockandrollglobe.com. I could When it comes to autism, finding the right words can be tough. Finding community in these challenging times doesn't have to be. Join us, even virtually, to move together towards a kinder world for the millions of people on the autism spectrum. Find out how at autismspeaks.org slash together. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Here's the Globe's editor-in-chief, David Wildstein. So Joe Cryan is a state senator from Union County. He was first elected to the state assembly in 2001. He's a former assembly majority leader, a former New Jersey Democratic state chairman, a former Union County sheriff. Senator, welcome. David, thanks for having me, and thanks for all you do in informing the, the public and the folks in New Jersey in particular about what goes on in our state. We're Thank grateful you. to you. Thank you. That's very Thank nice you of you to say. Thank you so much. Uh, Senator, before we start talking local, uh, you know, in, impeachment now over. The, the Senate acquitted Donald Trump. What's, what's your reaction to that vote? Well, my reaction was one of disappointment, and I actually thought about it uh, in watching the vote a little bit about you know, what's lost, right? We lost lives on January 6th, and we lost faith in our democracy on January 6th. And all across this country, I think people lost faith in government. I think we, the senators today had a chance to restore much of that. I thought the House impeachment managers did an incredible job of presenting their case. I was disappointed. I know there'll be talks about the additional Republican who jumped over and the fact that there were seven. But the fact of the matter is, is, they lost confidence in themselves and in the country, at least to me today, and I was extremely disappointed. No president ever deserved to be impeached more. Um, and 
before we talk about, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So before we talk about about your your campaign and 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 what's happening in New Jersey, I, I do want to say something. I want to acknowledge something. You know this, uh, but I want our listeners to know you. Your dad, John Cryan, one of my favorite people, former assemblyman, former Essex County Sheriff taught me so much about politics. And, and, and frankly, I, I never would have been mayor of Livingston without without his advice and his counsel. So so thank you for sharing him with me. Well, thanks, David. I appreciate it. He was one of my favorite people, too. And uh, actually, interesting, we have a show today of ex-sheriffs with uh, Gene and myself. And yes. uh, my dad is somebody to keep in mind. He shared his advice and uh, his counsel, and I miss him every day. Yeah. Um, well, he was he was a great man, and you know it. You know you know that's yeah, he always had David. He always had counsel, and he always had the idea that you were in government to help people. And I'm sure he talked to you about that he same did. way he did to me. And uh, those are values we try to keep in mind each and every time we do something. And, and Senator, this week you were endorsed by Governor Phil Murphy for re-election by Senate Majority Leader Loretta Weinberg. Uh, I think it was three congressmen, your county chairman Nick Scutari, just about every major elected official in your district. So so headed into this primary, it seems like you're in good shape, right? Well, you're never, you're never overconfident, but you certainly have a, uh, a healthy respect. And uh, frankly, I'm humbled by the folks who came forward and said, sure, we want to help you and we want to stand by you. Uh, I need to add my friend Bonnie Watson Coleman to that list as well. Uh, it has been a uh, um, an overwhelming, an overwhelming showing of support, which I'm on. Uh, you know, no matter how long you do this work and how fortunate you are to assist in public and be part of public service, it's always gratifying to have folks that you work with, colleagues, friends along the way say, look, we want to stand with you. We think what you do is right. Uh, my friend Donald Payne, uh, Albio Series, um, I saw Chairman Curry, uh, ne- our next day chairman, Leroy Jones, Mayor Baraka, so many folks who just stepped up and said, look, we want to help you, Steve Sweeney. And Governor Murphy's made it abundantly clear we're running together, and I'm, I value his friendship, and I value his, his willing to stand by me. It's a, it really is quite grateful. And inside the district, I'm pretty fortunate. Mayor Baldwin, Mayor Dellisforth here in Union County, uh, Mayor Vitrice, um, the, the chairs. I'm really very, very lucky that folks recognize what we do and appreciate it and want to see you continue. So, so this is the part, Senator, that confuses me. I've been watching you for your entire career. I, I mean, I I think you are a liberal Democrat. I mean, uh, uh, you have you have some some people stepping up in this primary. But but my question to you is, could you be any more of a Democrat than than you are? Could your voting record in the legislature be any more Democratic than it's been? I'm not sure how, and I I appreciate the question. It's one of those things you look back on and say, what else could you do? My opponents, obviously, it's a primary election. They're going to say and do things that uh, that's their right to do so. But I think when, when people look, and I do think people take a look at your record and say, does he stand for the things that we want? And uh, hopefully, and I think we have represented the district well. We certainly represented it in terms of um, bringing back dollars from Trenton to make sure we funded education, to make sure that we stood by and fought for public health in the pandemic We've had so many issues, the struggle for PPE early, the struggle for testing early. Uh, Today, we struggle for more vaccines. And those things, and we work in coordination to try to make sure that the public is safe and that we we present what we need to do, because that's what it is. It's public service. So 
I know we're going to get a lot of that from my opponents over the next couple of months, but the reality is, is uh, I think we've got a pretty good record to stand upon, and I'm looking forward to the challenge, but I think we'll be okay. I'm speaking with State Senator Joe Cryan of uh, Union County. And Senator, one of your opponents has made his his signature issue, his op- opposition to vaccinations for school children. How, how does that play in a Democratic primary? I mean, I could, I could see if you're running, you know, in, in a different part of the state, but you're in you're in Eastern Union County, solidly Democratic district, a district that is, you know, has, has supported Democrats for a long, long time. How will how does that position play for him? I don't believe it plays particularly well. As a matter of fact, it's part of the reason he is my opponent. I think people want us to stand up, and I get it each and every day. We need more vaccines. David, you hear it throughout the state and obviously around the country. The, the idea that we don't stand up for children, the idea that we don't make sure the vaccinations are part of the public debate and the process, that we're after folks to make sure that public health is first and foremost. We all know it. We can't get better till we have the vaccine for people. So what we've done is we've worked, matter of fact, just this week, another educational webinar um, with a couple uh, doctors from RWJ Barnabas, Dr. Straker and Dr. Nedlett, uh, working to educate folks to make sure that they want to take the vaccine because being safe is what this is all about. Um, I frankly don't understand some of the positions that I've seen others take. Um, I don't try to understand it anymore. I just try to keep focused on what I think elected officials should do, which is protect public health, provide the right information, and provide the right leadership to do so. And you've spent, and I and I and I said the same thing to Assemblywoman Stanfield. You've you've spent pretty much a year of your time in the legislature, dealing almost exclusively with with issues related to COVID nineteen. Uh, I'm sure you're hearing from constituents every day in Union County. What are what are they saying when they speak to you or when they call your office? Well, the first thing I hear now is, "Can you get me the vaccine?" Which I'm, you know, we're fortunate about that. Folks understand the message and understand that. Public health is what's most important. Obviously, folks still need it, it, the economic issues that have come with this pandemic are significant. The support that's needed for it, whether it's an economic, whether it's an individual, also a big part of the campaign. And initially, when we first started, it seems like forever and a day ago, but our fights were about PPE. On the phone, we were busy, like every other uh, senator, fighting for PPE for our district, for Trinitas Hospital, and for other areas. Um, we opened up at Kane, the Kane University site in Union County. Now we've transitioned over from a point where testing um, had become available, and the Kane, our particular site has done a magnificent job. You know, when this started, David, uh, we closed down our, sta- our, our offices. I'm fortunate my staff volunteered, moved over to be part of uh, the testing site. Matter of fact, Warren's transitioned over now full time uh, to that. and. It's all about serving, and it's about making sure that the things that you do in this election and in this time in government are about making sure that people's concerns are met. So it's economic, it's health, and it's making sure that people get through the anxiety that's been so much a part of their lives since this began. And I want to ask you about the upcoming 
gubernatorial race because because I know had you had you not decided to pursue a career in public service, you'd have you'd, you'd probably be one of the top Democratic political consultants right now and taking 15 percent of everybody's ad buy. But but <laughs> you, Democrats are outnumber Republicans by more than a million in New Jersey. Yet some people uh, say that this this race for governor between Phil Murphy and Jack Chitterelli, uh, you know, to, to take an old Essex County Yogi Berra Montclair term, it ain't over till it's over. How how confident are you in Governor Murphy's ability to win re-election? I'm actually very confident. You know, those margins really started to increase. Um, I had the good fortune when I was state chair. Um, actually, in the Obama election, when I was chair, the state chair when Barack Obama ran for his first term, we started to see those numbers really separate between Democrats and Republicans. Today, it's a significant advantage. I think the election comes down to who do you trust? Phil Murphy, right or wrong, has valued people's safety, people's health, and focused on the pandemic in terms of making sure that people are well. I think that's been the most important piece of it, and I think people recognize that. I know there's frustration out there sometimes about the business opportunities that are there, but I think his work with restoration, the EDA loans, the intention of supporting small business wherever possible, frankly, Disappointingly as it is, because we've all suffered through it, the state of New Jersey has done rather well compared to, to to other states in terms of the pandemic. Now, that doesn't help when you're attending a funeral for someone you lost for COVID. And I've attended many of them, like so many have in New Jersey. Uh, but I think when people look at what the governor has done, they look at his record, I think they'll see that this is a person they can trust to lead them for the next four years. That's why I think Phil Murphy's going to win. I think if Jack unsolicited for Jack Chiarelli, he needs to develop a program. The idea of just criticizing the governor wherever you can, I can tell you that's not something that's going to work for you in the state of New Jersey. You've got to, have to stand for something. Don't stand for nothing. So you've seen this, you've sort of seen this play before, right, which was 2009 when you were the state chairman, John Corzine running for re-election with a new Democratic president, and Chris Christie was was all about what John Corzine was doing wrong. And I thought that criticism at the time, it played a little different at the time. I think here with the with the pandemic, it defines itself a little differently. And I think, um, look, we, we struggled through one of the worst economic crises that we had since the Depression, right? People, Bear Stearns and all the collapse of the economy, we couldn't shake it loose. And then obviously had some other things happen in that cycle that were pretty rough. Bill Murphy's not going to have... Um, not going to have the type of economy where it's double-digit unemployment. I think New Jersey has sustained itself stronger than some other states. And I think ultimately because of a reasonably strong economy, given the pandemic, healthcare concerns that have been prioritized, and quite frankly, the work he's done uh, not only for, for schools uh, but for businesses, the government will be successful. And let me ask you, you know, in, in closing, about what's happening at the Edna Mann Correctional facility. I mean, these reports yeah. of women being beaten and 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 sexually assaulted. Uh, uh, do you do you think Senator? I mean, you you called for Commissioner Hicks to resign. You were you were one of the twenty five senators. What what should happen now? Uh, you know, uh, I respect the governor's view, which is he's going to he's going to utilize the investigatory process and then make the call on the Law and Public Safety Committee, which I proudly serve on. I'm the vice chair. We did a, number, a hearing on Edmond, and it was just, it's horrifying. You watch these victims time after time. Clearly, this has been an ongoing series of issues. 
David, there's a lack of cameras there. There's a lack of concern for inmates, and there's a lack of focus on what the real issue is, which is making sure people are safe even though they're incarcerated. Um, I think Commissioner Hicks needs to go. I'm I'm proud that I signed it. I would urge the governor to move forward quickly, and I hope it happens sooner than later. It's not right. It's just not right. And I'm, I've been speaking with Senator Joe Krein of Union County. Senator, you know, it's always it's always fun to talk to you. Uh, you know, one of, one of these days we should just, you know, you, I, I should have you and Tom Giblin and Tom Barrett and yes. Governor Cody on, and we should just talk about old time Essex County politics. That would be that would be a lot of fun. Have a few laughs. But, yeah, but thank you, for, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. And we will be back. Please, please stay around. I'm going to talk about some risks and rewards of running uh, for the for public office as people get to an older age. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. You're listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Pravda Records presents The Lilacs with their first new recording in 25 years. The Lilacs and Door, four blockbuster hits, Monica. Monica, Spark. Get the Lilacs and Door on all streaming platforms and wherever CDs are sold. Pure Chicago Power Pop. It's the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back. This is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. I, I want to talk a little bit about political campaigns and the risk and rewards of running against someone based on their age, especially as a campaign takes shape for state Senate in Bergen County. The incumbent Republican, Jerry Cardinal, is 86 years old. He's been in the Senate since 1981. He's been in the legislature since 79. Holly Shapizzi, a 49-year-old assemblywoman, is challenging uh, Senator Cardinal in the Republican primary. And so I, I want to tell a quick story. I want to talk about a U.S. Senate race in 1980. It's one that, that I always think about on an age issue, and it comes out of Washington State where there was a Democrat named Warren Magnuson. He was actually the first U.S. senator I ever met, but I'll save that story for another time. Uh, Senator Magnuson was elected to Congress in 1936. It was the same year FDR was running uh, in his first midterm. He went to the Senate in 44. In 1980, he was the chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee. He was the president pro tempore of the Senate. He was 75 uh, 40 years ago. That was considered older than it is today, uh, but he moved slowly. He had trouble hearing, but still, by all accounts, he was a, a hugely effective senator. And his Republican opponent was a man named Slade Gordon, and he was 52, and he ran TV ads that showed him jogging. Uh, But this is the part I'll never forget. Not only did Gordon attack Magnuson, but he 
uh, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Not only didn't he attack Magnuson, but he killed him with kindness. He said he wanted to be Washington State's next great senator. And Gordon allowed voters to think that they could vote against Magnuson without totally repudiating everything he'd done and all that he stood for. So, so Magnuson lost. And I remember a, a classic Senate race in North Dakota back in uh, 1974. It was the Watergate year. The, the incumbent was a man named Milton Young. He was a beloved 76-year-old incumbent. He was running for a fifth term. His, his Democratic opponent was a popular former governor, 55 years old. His name was Bill Guy. And age was an issue, but Senator Young addressed it directly. The, the senator had been a black belt, and he ran a TV ad showing him chop a one-inch board with his bare hands, and, and that put him over the top. He was, he was reelected by 77 votes in a statewide election. And New Yorkers remember the 1980 primary between Jacob Javits and, and Alphonse D'Amato. Javits was in the early stages of, of what's known as Lou Gehrig's disease, but his mind was sharp, and D'Amato took a different tack than, uh, than Slade Gorton did that year. He made Javits look feeble, and he won the seat. And New Jersey's had a bunch of those campaigns, too, based on age. In, in 1982, Frank Lautenberg, was, he, he was 58. He was running against Millis and Fenwick for the Senate. She was 72, and he thought... She was too old to first begin a career in the Senate, and he said so. And 20 years later, when Lautenberg was 78 and wanted to come back to the Senate, he, he didn't think 78 was all that old. And so he, was, he returned, and he's elected, and six years later, he's 84, and he's running again for re-election that would keep him in office until he was 90. Uh, he survived primary and general election challengers, where his opponents danced around the age issue, but they never really made it into a, a, a major part of the campaign. So, so when somebody is running against an incumbent uh, and, and they want to talk about the age, age, they need to proceed very carefully, very cautiously, and sometimes very respectfully. Uh, this is David Wildstein, the editor of the New Jersey Globe. Thanks for listening to the New Jersey Globe Power Hour on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thanks, Kevin Sanders, our producer. Hope everyone will come back next week and listen to to us again at 4 p.m. Have a great week, everybody. value books and films and good TV. But now, during a pandemic, I appreciate them. I need them more than ever. That's why I read Book and Film Globe. Bookandfilmglobe.com is the smartest, sharpest commentary about what's good and what's um, not good in the worlds of books, movies, and quality TV. This isn't celebrity gossip, and it's not for woke 22-year-olds. It's just smart, clear writing about the best new things to watch and read. Interviews with directors, concise reviews of hot new books, actors describing classic scenes. It's all on bookandfilmglobe.com. And there are three Rotten Tomatoes certified reviewers, so you know you're getting good advice. 
check out Book and Film Globe. That's bookandfilmglobe.com. 